Good afternoon and welcome to the Double or Nothing podcast, hosted by myself, Clark Cummings, alongside my partner, Alex Russian, in collaboration with DraftKings, the best place to play daily fantasy sports for cash prizes. We've just wrapped up with the U.S. Open. Uh, Rome is going on and the French Open, I believe, either starts Sunday night or Monday. And then we got the NBA playoffs going on and... The NFL just started and college football is going, so we have a heavy slate, heavy slate of sports going on in the world. So a lot of sports fans staying active, and uh, not too much boredom with with avid sports fans and gamblers like myself. So uh, having a pretty good week. Alex, how are we doing in California? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um... Really quick here before we get started and I pop a little Z-Boy in my mouth, uh, I just want to take the time out to wish my uh, uncle a happy birthday. It was his birthday on Saturday night. I uh, called him then as well with a few drinks in me and uh, I FaceTimed him actually, but it didn't go so great. Uh, he picked up the phone and I just, you know, I said, hey, happy birthday. Hope you've had a great day and I hope it's at the Russian house tonight. And it was going good, but then uh, until that point, and then he uh, flipped the camera and revealed his wife, his wife's mother, and his wife's brother uh, sitting at the table with him there. So again, just from us at the pod, I want to wish you a happy birthday and I'm sorry if I ruined it that evening. Yeah, no, I think uh, everyone in Crack Trackers has covered the U.S. Open a lot so far. Alex and I definitely have some different takes on tennis in general and sports. And, you know, we got a just a different different taste and a different perspective being younger kids. But uh, the way that I looked at it, so from a gambler's point of view, I was teaching till about first. Was a variable in the first set easy, and then once team, I think won the first game and second set, I said, "Hey, f- it, I'm gonna put." $25 on team. And then I talked to myself again. I'm a, So when I'm betting, I think of it as kind of a storyline. There's no chance that Zverev's going to win his first Grand Slam. The guy's been tight. He's had history with choking. He said, so I thought to myself, okay, this is his team's fourth final. He lost two French to Nadal, lost earlier to Austrian Open. Whatever happens, even if he loses the second side, he's going he's gonna to lose. So I put another 25 down. And then when he lost the second set, I put another 25 down. And then when he won the third set, I put another 25 down. So I put $100 on team. I basically had 100 on him to win. And uh, I don't know if I was tight or just appalled at how awful the level of play was. I think the fifth set was good. But to serve out a major championship, I mean, it's got to be the, the tightest feeling in the world, and you know, it's an honor to to be nervous. But for each guy to serve it out and not hold serve, that's I just I just think the level of play in a final has deteriorated. You know, with no Djokovic, but you know, the French Open, we'll see what happens. I just think we were so lucky and fortunate to see the big three in their prime, and I think we're spoiled and. What I just said, I think that's a little bit of a, not many people want to say it, but I mean, it just, it looked a lot different with the 60 mile per hour second serve, double faulting at whatever in the tiebreaker. We don't, we didn't see that before. So 
Uh, I know these guys are just kind of on their first, on their big stage, uh, first few Grand Slam finals. But I mean, my my takeaway was, hey, Roger Novak and Rafa look a lot better. I mean, as far as that goes, I don't think the level has uh, necessarily deteriorated. Like, I really think that we still have a good, good level of tennis. I don't think it got, I'm not saying it got better because it's definitely not better, but I don't think it got worse. Going to that, the two things that happened in that tennis match was, you got to think, this was both of these guys' like, I mean, actually team, he's made, he made French final, right? No, he made Aussie he made two, final. He's two made French two finals, finals and then one, one Aussie. So that was, this was his fourth final. It's his fourth final, so yeah, so definitely at this point, I feel like you should expect a little bit more clutchness. So I would say like the crowd is obviously something that like uh, was a big component of that. Just think about a movie, for instance. Think about how scary a movie is with no sound. Obviously, there's the component of like suspense and things like that, and that's what make it scary. But some of the scariest horror movies ever are the ones that actually don't have sound. And I feel like that's the thing. With the no crowd and everything like that, these players, like, you should never need anything to fire you up for a Grand Slam final, that's for sure. But it does, like, add a component of energy to, uh, to what's going on. They can feed off of that. Um, it's loud. They don't really have to, like, you know, hear a pin drop on the floor necessarily. And that kind of, like, you know, will put goosebumps on the back of, uh, on your back. So I think it's those those things and then again like i i felt good about uh dami the way he played uh i think that guy's like a beast and how are you feeling how are you feeling two sets to love down were you yourself i mean i was up so much for the week i was already up like 250 so i wasn't really that worried and i lost big on medvedev and i think it's serena so i was like there's no way i'm gonna lose another one so i was pretty confident but it's just like i kind of wanted the match to be over like six all it he had a f***ing forehand sitter down the line, and he just choked. He dumped it in the net. So I just I just thought it was like there was they felt the pressure so much, and you could see it. So I felt like I was playing, serving out a 5-4 a or 4-3 match in, in college almost. But I felt like I would kind of be – I don't know. I think the experience was lacking in that, and so I kind of – kind of relate you know throwing a fucking 60 mile per hour serve over the net with my better like myself so i could relate to that for sure but uh no i thought team did play well in instances and to come back two sets from love in any any major final is is huge i'm gonna also say this when another player brings that level down it's hard to maintain your level. So I don't know, I mean, just relate to when you played junior tennis. Think about you, you probably played better when you went up against a better player than when you were playing against a player that was way worse than you. You'd probably still win the match and everything and that would happen because you're the better tennis player. But to an extent, your level does go down and it's because it honestly does take two to tango. So they were playing well and bad at different stages in the match and I think that affected their overall level like throughout the course of the whole thing. Um, because think about it, yeah, team does have experience and this is his like time to shine, but the element of the crowd and being able to hear like a pin drop, having a quiet, that adds like, you know, definitely more to it. And then also just the fact that since Varev is chicken, it's his first Grand Slam final, his level maybe isn't up to par what it should be or what it is normally. So, uh, that could have brought, uh, Dami's level down a little bit as well. You know, there's, there's definitely I a just, factor. 
I don't think we saw great at great and great at the same time. And that's what kind of annoys me. Not annoys me, but kind of looks at, hey, look at the other three. They were they were great at the same time. They were battling it out, and we saw so many great matches. It was a great match. It ended up 7-6 in the third. I just didn't think the level of play was that high compared to years past and other tournaments. You know, they're good players. They're arriving on the scene. They're both young guys. They have a big, you know, I don't think they've, either of them hit their prime yet, you know. So, uh, but it was a good tournament by team. I thought, you know, his body of work the whole tournament showed and then you know when I put the money down it's so hard to, to win a match after a long five set match especially when you come down from two sets of love I know we were talking about this the other day but it's got to be the, the odds got to be crazy for a person to win a five set match and then two days later win the match it's got to be below 20% I don't know if you're I mean I don't care who you are if you're 150 in the world or you're number one in the world it's, it's tough to win a five set match and then come back you know less than 48 hours later and play another match with your body still sore and and beat up. So I, that's that's where I still felt confident in Zverev, and you could see the cramps. You don't see cramps that often in professional tennis at that, at that stage, but I think the cramps were a big big factor with the, the nerves too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The cramps for sure are correlated to the, to the nerves 100%. Um, with that said, as as we talked about, you know, Crack has uh, covered this pretty well. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about French Open and Rome going on this week and everything. How are you feeling about that and getting to see uh, some of the big boys come out, like Rafa making his debut post. So I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I mean, on this podcast, I've stated my love for American tennis and following Americans. I really won't pay much attention to Rome. I'll wake up in the morning before I, you know. Oh, go to work or, or when I come back from work, I'll watch some of it and, you know, I'll, I'll keep up with it when it's on, uh, TV, but really there's no excitement factor for me watching Rome. I want, I'm in the grand slam guy or I'm, you know, watching American, uh, like American soil, you know, tournaments. So I, I know Fritz lost the other day, uh, ten, uh, Sandergren lost seven, six and a third, but, I think the only guy that has a shot on the American side to do anything is Tiafo in the French Open. But Rome, I mean, if Novak and Nadal are playing in the final, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. But, I mean, uh, I'm more kind of glued into the French Open and what's going to happen up in there and what the draw is going to be like. I mean, yeah, historically, the weeks that come ahead are not about to be the best weeks for American tennis players. We definitely have a problem uh, with a lot of players not being that good of uh, clay quarters. Um, there's a there's been a couple in the past, and there's there's a couple that play all right. Taylor actually uh, has had some pretty good results on clay, um, you know, and so that's that's good for an American. But in general, um, we don't like Americans don't do well on clay, so it's going to be tough to watch. But I just like what may, excites me about Rome is I do really enjoy clay court tennis. I think it's like the most beautiful type of tennis and you can see strategy the most uh people are building points uh you need to be able to slice you need to be able to hit heavy their structure to the points when someone pushes someone deep they go back deep they're looking for angles they have uh you know hitting hitting lots of drop shots the way you can slide all of that so i think it's very very and it tests your heart a lot because you're playing a lot of long long rallies so you have to stay mentally focused for a long time as well. So I really enjoy watching clay court tennis, 
And I think this is going to be an interesting one. Just like, I think just parity-wise, because think about it, there's a lot of players that didn't play the U.S. Open. Um, for instance, like Benoit Paire, he did not play the U.S. Open. I'm comparing Rome to Cincinnati. There's going to be interesting tennis because these guys are rusty. They haven't played tennis matches in a while. And that incident was fantastic. Like, that was so funny, what Benoit did the other day on the court. I don't think anyone's really been talking about that. And, like, the guy was literally off the he had uh, he got COVID right after Cincy or in the middle of Cincy. Couldn't play the U.S. Open. Had to go quarantine. Then basically didn't practice. Requested a match time on Tuesday so he could have two days to practice before the tournament instead of one. And the tournament director denied him because he was playing an Italian. So that got him just fucking super super pissed from the get go. And then from there he just like. I mean, he threw water ball, bottles on the court. He refused to pick it up. He asked for the supervisor, and then that guy wasn't coming out. So then he asked for the trainer, and he's like, you have to have the be injured for the trainer. And he's like, okay, well, I'm uh, I'm injured now. Like, it was just – it was a spectacle. But it was that very guy, entertaining. That guy has got to be, like, one of the most interesting people on the tour. But when you're talking about the U.S. Open and French Open and comparing it, yeah, there's new players. Uh, there's different players playing in the French Open and then the U.S. Open. But there's also different contenders, you know? And I like what you said about the clay court. It's just slow, methodical, patient. You see different different types of games. You see more slicing and stuff like that. Um, I think the points are going to be longer, and I think maybe there will be more upsets because the points will be longer and the conditioning will be a big aspect of of what goes on. I don't see uh, anyone beating Rafa, though. I think he looks good. He played today. He won one and one against Karina Busta, who made the semifinals of the U.S. Open. I don't think I don't think anyone touches him. I think, hopefully, we see this. I think Djokovic and Team they might be in the same half. That's going to be an interesting match. I know Team won last year, and uh, I want to see Djokovic rattle a little bit. You know, I want to see what how he responds after you know he, he faced some adversity. You know, he won the other day easy, but I want to see him, you know, go through some more adversity, and I want to see one of these guys maybe, you know, take him down in three sets, three out of five on clay. I think that would be a good match. The only problem I have with the French Open, and I don't know how it's going to be this year, is sometimes NBC and the tennis channel, they f*** up, and you don't watch it live. I want to watch live sports, you know, because if I feel an urge to live better, whatever, you know, so hopefully they do a good job this year of uh, displaying it, and I think it's going to be what from our from my time five a.m. to three three p.m. and then your time from two to twelve. So it'll be a little bit different, harder for you to watch. But uh, hopefully we can, we can we can watch some. I mean, not watching something live to me just almost takes all the excitement out of it. It would be for tennis Easy. for me, and it's because I'm a tennis player. Yeah, I'd watch a match that's not live to see how, whatever, if I want to learn something or look at certain certain things. But, like, in general, even with tennis or any sport, I don't see the point of watching it if it's not live. It just is not even close to as exciting. But I was just kind of making a comparison of between um, Cincy, Cincy and, uh, and Rome and just, like, upsets. And that also leads to the French Open and what you said about upsets. There is going to be a lot more upsets because of this. Think about the turnaround. We just went U.S. Open, straight to clay, one tournament, French Open. 
normally before the French Open, there's like five, six clay court tournaments that people are playing. So they've been playing on clay for at least a month, if not a month and a half. So they're very well adjusted to clay by the time they get there. Now it's like, boom, you just went from playing two tournaments on hard court that are super, super fast, like the US Open courts are, to now you gotta go fly across the you know, across the pond, deal with the jet lag for a couple days, basically have a day of practice and go straight into a match. And then after that, you know, you're waiting until, it depends on how far you go into the tournament, but if you lose early, then you're just waiting there until the French Open starts. And so you don't really have that many matches under your belt. So there's going to be upsets just because of that. I really think the freshness of the guys like Nadal, um, Warwinka, who's the guys that have played some clay court matches and challengers have the advantage, but you just saw Warwinka lost to some young 18-year-old. I haven't heard his name before. But I think those guys will... The guys that have been playing on clay in the past few weeks will have better results, I think. I don't know how you can do going from the U.S. Open on Sunday night. I mean, I don't know if teams even landed in Rome yet. So that's going to be... To see if if team does something in the next three weeks, be very impressed and uh, impressed with his team because he just came off of his biggest high as a tennis player. Uh, what Sunday night? Today is Wednesday at nine o'clock, six o'clock your time. So uh, I mean, three four days, and, and he's I think he plays tomorrow. I'm not I'm not sure of the schedule, um, but that that's got to be uh, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's always a uh, chance that there's like a post-major win, you know, hangover or something like that, or he's just so confident and he's just like riding that wave and um, is going to take that momentum with him, you know, it remains to be seen, but it's definitely going to be interesting, and yeah, maybe the guys that did play US Open have more match experience, I just think that the switching surfaces is a very, very uh, difficult thing to do, and so that amount of time um, to be able to do that makes me fear a little bit for the guys that were over there and it is a good advantage to the dudes that have been training on clay for the last couple months while Rinka has played a uh, challenger and stuff like that I mean it's a it's gonna be cool but then again what are we gonna talk about that's in the future so let's talk about something that happened last night we're talking about the NBA now and you know if, if you listened before Alex and I are big sports fans especially Lakers fans so talking about the Nuggets and Clippers, uh, the Nuggets won, I think, by 15 or 16 last night against the Clippers. If you look at the series, if you take it, so the Nuggets, I think, played better than the Clippers for maybe seven times four. I don't know if any game went it. So 28 quarters, I think the Nuggets were the better team in seven to eight of those quarters. You, would you agree? You say that again. So if you look, if you divide it, if you look look at the series as a whole, your seven times four is twenty eight quarters. I don't think one. I don't think a game went in overtime. I think the Nuggets were better in six to eight quarters. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, second I half. That. Most 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 games second half the Nuggets were better. But how the hell? You choke that bad. You're up by 19, 16, and 9, and you don't do any. You don't do anything. You just kind of lull yourself to sleep, 
and you don't step on their throats, and then you go home early, and you're going back to back to L.A. or Mexico as you know, uh, Damian Lillard and T.J. McCollum had a fun night on Twitter last night. Very true. Okay, it's rant time for me. Really quick, I'm going to get it out of the way. That was the most fucking ridiculous block I've ever seen. That was even better than LeBron's block. Obviously, the moment wasn't as big, but holy fucking block that Bam, uh, that Bam had. But anyway, now that that's out of the way, that's going to be a hell of a series. That Celtics uh, game, great game, going to be a great series. But I want to talk Clippers. As a Lakers fan, I cannot begin to describe the joy that I felt yesterday when the when the Clippers lost to the Nuggets. I was so happy. I honestly, like, I think that is going to match my level of happiness that I will have when the Lakers win the championship. Because it's going to happen now. The Lakers, it's the Lakers championship to lose. I think Nikolai Jokic and Jamal Murray literally just won the NBA championship for LeBron James last night. That's what happened. Aside from the Clippers being out, the Nuggets just won the NBA championship for the Lakers. Now, what you said about the things, like, Sorry, I just had to take a little beer sip there, but let, let's see here. Clippers up by 19 in game six. Clippers up, and that is going into the, um, in game, yo, that Clippers up by 19 in game six going into, going into the second half. And then in game five, they were up 16 heading into the fourth quarter. You're telling me you have a 16 point lead and then, I mean, let's just talk about the numbers from these guys last night. Jamal Jamal had more points than Lou Williams. Kawhi and Paul George combined. Kawhi more points and Paul than George combined. combined. Those guys are, I mean, the, the Clippers have four or five guys, at least four guys on the team that could average 20 points. And you have one dude that's scoring more than their top three, whatever, players. Let's also just look at this. I mean, there's different things that I'm hearing on television, and I don't want to hear in any of these excuses the first excuse that i've been hearing on television today was the clippers didn't have enough time to play together all at the same time they didn't have chemistry i mean i that's don't accept bullshit. that excuse that's bullshit. number one load management this is what you get that's why you need to play the regular season and it's important number two i mean look at these guys they basically had a team that was constructed of a bunch of dogs, or what we thought were dogs, now we think are more like cats, but originally they were a bunch of dogs, and they made it to the first round of the playoffs and uh, played a good series in that in that round. And then all they did, the coaching staff pretty much remained the exact same. The players, the roster, the bench was the exact same. Ownership, the exact same. And then you add Kawhi Leonard, who's supposedly the best player in the game, and Paul George, who at one point, you know, in OKC was in the top three MVP votes. So the team remained the same, and then you just added more firepower, having the deepest bench. Now let's look at the Clippers. Or, I'm sorry, let's look at the Lakers. That's a team that has that excuse, and yet they're dealing with it. They had a coaching change. They had huge roster changes. Like, the roster's completely different. I mean, all of these things. They've had some injuries. They've had uh, guys that didn't go into the bubble with them. And they had to sign players late, like Dion, uh, Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. So they've had a multitude of different things happen to them. And, and now I see that excuse for the Clippers. So that, number one, is not acceptable. Number two, the bubble. They're saying, oh, because of the amount of games you played back to back to back to back. You know why that's not an excuse? Because every other team that's there is in the bubble. So the conditions are the same. It's like, 
when a pro, uh, when a player complains about the and it being too hot out like you know what dude it's hot for me too so that that doesn't count so i mean those are the biggest things and then i just hate the narrative of you know, I loved what uh, CJ and uh, Dane Willard did last night where they were just flaming the living out of them because it's like they did deserve that because they were carrying themselves like they were NBA champions and doing all this stuff. And so it was good to eat a little bit of humble pie. And um, I mean, we're going to see. And then there's the other thing. We saw this trend the entire season. The Clippers weren't really playing that well. They lost a lot of games. But then other than the last game before the uh, COVID break, they had been like beating the Lakers and they would show up to play for that game. They were so, so fixated on um, beating the Lakers that they lost sight of everything else. And like a good quote, honestly, is winners focus on winners and, lo and losers focus on winners. And so that's what it is. Um, that's, I mean, that's just right there. Don't focus yeah. on what's on somebody else's plate. Kyle Kuzma said it today. The Lakers haven't been thinking about the Clippers like the Clippers have been thinking about them, you know? No, and to separate it between Lakers and Clippers, the Clippers were the deepest, the deepest bench, deepest team, great coaching staff, Ty Lue, Sam Cassell, Jerry front West. office is willing. Yeah, and then they have Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is a great coach, but now with every f up, you have to kind of divide your team, and you kind of have to. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have some changes. They're gonna have some major changes. I think. But in terms of this year, I think the Clippers were easily the best team. I think in terms of defending LeBron, defending AD, I don't see a team that the Clippers couldn't match up to. And that's why I'm shocked. Jamal Murray, a third or fourth year out of Kentucky, lit those motherfuckers up, and he was just confident, cocky, and he was a ballin'. He didn't give a shit what was going outside. Outside of the bubble, he was focused on those lines. And that was very, you know, cool to watch. And, and to see Porter, uh, Michael Porter Jr. came out after game three or something like game four after they went down 3-1. And he was kind of ratting his team out. Porter kind of stepped up. But Jamal Murray and Jokic, that's a great tandem. And, you know, they're not a kind of in a big, they're not a big market team, so people don't talk about them enough, but they were the second seed last year, and then this year, they're the third seed, no one gave them any credit, and those guys just kept competing, you know, and they have good wings that can defend, they have a good point guard off the bench, and Mark, and, and uh, Morris, and they have good guys to piece together, Mason Plumley, who was, who was a star with Brooklyn for a few years, you know, so they got good guys, and a good nucleus, but those guys just could compete, and at the end of the day, you know, if you're playing someone in basketball, soccer, tennis, if you just out-compete, compete, out-hustle, and out and want it more, who gives a shit about talent at the end of the day? If that, those three things will you tend to be a little more successful when you have that, and the Clippers just looked like they were too fatigued at the end of the day, and you saw it today, I think there was an article that came out, that multiple Clippers players asked to get subbed out in the fourth quarter. What the f***? It's game seven, you're about to, game seven, and you possibly play your rivals. In a few days, do you want to get subbed out? Come on, like that's just a, a, a full the team full of uh, soft guys. So they didn't deserve to win that series, and uh, Luca kind of put some damage on them. And then you know Jamal Murray kind of led the show. So uh, 
Yeah, as a big Laker fan, I kind of felt that LeBron won the championship last year. And if you are, if you want to put some money down, I mean, I think they're one to two right now. I think they're like minus two hundred. Shit, I I don't know what their odds are. I have to look at it. But put the f- bank on that on the Lakers because this is LeBron's easiest e- easiest route to the championship now. Everyone's talking about the West, 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 West. Right now, this is the easiest route for LeBron James to win another championship. Don't if you want to. There's no disagreeing on that. You have to agree on that. I mean, I agree. This is definitely like I feel like the path is wide open because they're. I feel for sure like a superior team to the Nuggets, and they're for sure going to be able to beat the f- of that inexperienced team that they're going to face in the finals because each of those teams that they're going to face are going to be inexperienced guys like jimmy buckets like even like jason tatum jason tatum is like a bona fide star in the league he really is but i don't think he's there yet i think we're a year or two years away just he's almost there but he he without a doubt is a star but then again i i related to like honestly lebron's first championship like if he faces tatum it's going to be like when he fe- uh, faced a young thunder team and maybe a little bit earlier, because Kevin Durant was already like pretty solidified as like a great player in the league. Um, I do think I do to, agree with yeah, that. Go it's ahead. gonna be a little. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like the Thunder series, but the Thunder had a little more firepower. The Celtics are good. Look at that team. They have a good team. The Celtics Heat games that's gonna go seven. I think the Lakers wrap this up in four or five, and the Nuggets are emotionally just exhausted. And they'll be on a high till they are, they lose two games to the Lakers, but. I think the Celtics Heat series is going to go way, way. That's going to be deep. That's going to be a competitive six or seven. And I think I would be a little more scared of the Heat because they got some, they got some dogs on that team that just want to compete. And at the end of the day, if you out compete someone, you can you can tend to be pretty successful. So I I don't know who I would want, but I think Lakers Celtics is a kind of a cool storyline, and it's you know a big rivalry. But I would be scared about Tatum, but I think the Lakers have some good matchups to defend him. And then who's going to guard? I mean, what is Daniel Tyson to guard AD? I mean, you know, it's it just uh, the Lakers have too much firepower. They're, I mean, LeBron's going to win his win another championship next year. What is that, number four? Yeah, number four. That's going to be number four. four, and that's like, all right, that's pretty good. Because now there's there's few people that have won, you know, four championships. That's the same as Shaq. That's like, that's good for his legacy. I mean, Larry Bird only won three rings, but I mean, four will definitely like really make a stronger statement than three. Like, I don't think three is that much more than two. I mean, it is, but I think the jump from four, uh, from three to four is way bigger than from two to three, without a doubt, just legacy wise, looking at the players that have won those, that amount of titles. And, yeah, no, I and he'll be the first player... I think I think he will be the first player to win three titles with three different teams. Is, am I correct in saying that? Maybe Robert Ory. Maybe Robert Ory. Um, Patrick McCall. No, he wasn't on that team. Patrick McCall was kind of a scrub and he didn't really play. But um, I, he's got to be. I mean, if he's not the only person, he's got to be one of very very few. But I think this this has to be his easiest. I mean, not the easiest easiest championship in terms of. I don't know. I don't know. We'll I mean, get to that. We'll get to that in a sec. Before we start talking about that series, I wanted to keep talking about this series for a little bit because I'm having a field day with this. Um, the first thing that I want to say it's about choices. It's about championship mindset. 
right before I start ripping the Clippers again, I'm going to talk about the Nuggets and give them credit because they deserve so much credit. Nikolai Jokic very well might be playing the best basketball other than LeBron James in the world. He's probably the best basketball player in the world. Take LeBron out of it. I mean, he is a walking triple-double. Every single game, he's coming up huge. I mean, 20-something rebounds in a game seven? Are you serious? And then, like, let's talk about really quick, so their championship mentality. Think about the way that I love the way that Jamal Murray answered that question last night about what he thought, they, how they'd match up against the Lakers or whatever. And he said, they have to worry about us as well. That's championship mentality right there. You know, he's like, come get it. He's looking for that smoke. And that's what the Clippers players didn't do. I mean, all, all season long, they're talking about like they're a team of dogs. But I ask you this question, what good is a dog that doesn't bite? And now, um, I mean, so let's let's just break it down. Aside from the leads and everything like that, they definitely choked. But then you just get in that environment in game seven. And it's like you have people that are you're asking to come out of the game. Are you serious? As an athlete, all you want to do is play. You want to play and you want to play in the biggest moments. You don't want to be taken out. You have to be dragged off the court. Even if you're dead tired and there's someone else that could do a better job than you, as an athlete and a competitor, you want to be on the court and play. Um, and we look at what the what the Clippers... Let's look at the Clippers did and let's talk about Doc Rivers a little bit. He he has shown... He knew that the, that the uh, Nuggets were capable of this because the series before, they came down from 3-1 uh, down. So he knows that this team is capable about, of making adjustments. And he didn't make any adjustments. He let it happen game after game after game. And so you see Doc's a great coach, but as far as blame that, that goes to him, I mean, he knew they could do uh, that the Nuggets were capable of this and did not make those necessary adjustments. However, he can't play for those guys. And speaking again to championship mentality and the difference between things, Lou Williams had to quarantine and then complaining about not being able to have that chemistry in games. Lou Williams had to miss a lot of games because he went to Magic City. I don't want to sh Lou Williams because I love Lou Williams. I'm a big Lou Williams fan. But Alex Caruso missed his sister's wedding for this because he didn't want to come out of the bubble. You have to make sacrifices in order to achieve your goals. And uh, the Clippers didn't look like they were willing to do that like some of these other teams are. And now we look at a little bit this next series. I mean, it's going to be very tough. We talk about in tennis how... You know, there's like a 20% chance of winning your next match after you played a five, won a five-set match. Well, they just won two five-set matches in a row. So they're, they're going to be banged up. But, I mean, one thing's for sure, uh, if we've learned anything from these last uh, two series is that you, can't, you can never uh, overlook or overestimate or underestimate the Nuggets. No, and, uh, I mean, looking at Mike Malone, a great coach, and I think he kind of realized after game four or game five that, Hey, when Luke, Lou Williams is in the game, you got to go after his ass. And Lou kind of slowed down off offensively, but they attacked him defensively. And Jokic and Murray together were great. And then the guys outside with Grant, Porter, uh, Morris, um, Paul Millsap even had some few clutch buckets and shot shots of three ball well yesterday. So they have a good team. And when you talk about in terms of tennis, they came off two tough, tough five-set matches. You know, So... To win the third one is almost, you know, got to be below five almost. So uh, I, I think the Lakers win in four or five, but it's going to be interesting to see how AD and Jokic, that's going to be a good matchup. And then, hey, are the Lakers going to, you know, not put 
Javel McGee and Dwight Howard, are they going to play those guys at all, or are they going to go small ball like they did with the Rockets? I think they play bigger because they have Paul Mitt, because the Nuggets play with Millsap. Uh, so I think they start McGee, and they're going to play Dwight Howard. But uh, towards the end of the games, I would expect AD to be at the five. Um, but in terms of the Lakers, I just think they're, they just look so focused and determined to get it done. And with everything in the world, they want to make a statement. They want to be the last team standing and uh, just do it for L.A. and then, you know, do it for the guy that just, you know, for, for Kobe. So uh, when, when Kobe passed, I just felt like a team of destiny that the Lakers were going to get it done. And uh, it just feels more – I feel more confident that that's going to happen. That's the storyline. That's going to be the – that's what's going to be best for the for the bubble and for, you know, for, for the game. So – uh, I'm looking forward to you know these next few weeks watching watching the um, how everything plays out and I'm really excited to watch the Celtics Celtics Heat series. I wish the Raptors made it, but I think the Celtics are by far the better team. It's shaping up to be a beautiful story. But again, last point on these Clippers because I just I can't get enough. I'm sorry, it just made me giddy. But. The Clippers had an already great team, and they added Kawhi, and then he said, I want Paul George. He could have played with LeBron. He was you know, with Magic Johnson, with LeBron, everything, all the people recruiting him, telling him that they he might come, everything like that, and he said, no, I'm going to join the Clippers, and I want Paul George. Well, guess what? And he had that fucking New Balance commercial where he was taking direct shots, the little king thing, saying LA's his city, all this shit. And then the shit, um, fucking homeboy was talking about, um, um, Pat Bev. Let's look at what the Clippers did. They traded, uh, Gilgis Alexander, Gallinari, five first round picks, um, and then another two pick swaps for 2023 and 2025, all for Paul George for playoff P, who came up short all playoffs let's just look at uh, a list of nicknames that i made today for paul george we have playoff p way off p play awful p play off poo pandemic p poverty p playoff pi three for 14 george paul that's skip bayless's favorite right there pg 13 percent pg 13 misses pg 13 reasons why and COVID 13 Paul George, Damn, he needs to reevaluate himself. It was a really, it was a really good, fun night for me, for sure. I definitely celebrated. I had a couple beers. I enjoyed myself, and I really, I'm telling you, it was as much that gave me as much joy seeing them lose as it will to see the Lakers win this championship. Maybe almost as much because this is what it's shaping out to be. And I can't believe, like, I was also wanting the. Um, Obviously, I was wanting the uh, the Nuggets to win the game. Aside from just wanting the Clippers to lose, it was because I was a little scared of the Clippers. I felt like they were the only team that could really challenge the Lakers because they were legit constructed to beat the Lakers. And then now they're knocked out for us, and we don't even have to play them. It's like, it's beautiful. So that's the other reason. But now we go into this where I feel very, very good about this series and how it's going to shape up. And now, like you said for Kobe, this team is on a mission. They're playing inspired. Whether they won the, uh, you know, they hopefully they won the ring for Kobe, but I think it could go a step further now. And not only could they win the game for Kobe, but they could do it in the way that Kobe would want it most of all and reignite this Celtics uh, Lakers rivalry, which is the best rivalry historically in basketball ever. 
So we get these was, two franchises was going Kobe's on last Was Kobe's last ring against the Celtics too? No, it wasn't. Kobe's last – oh, no, it was. You're right. It was because he played the Magic. So that would be, that would be something to the special. Celtics, played the Magic and then beat the Celtics. So that's what I'm saying. It's shaping up like Kobe out of all teams being such a Laker – he wanted to beat Boston more than any other team because of that rivalry. So not only it's just, it's just picture perfect. It doesn't get more like of a Cinderella story than this, where it's just like, I mean, the basketball gods are just lining it up. Celtics Lakers final Lakers win. And they do it for Kobe beating the Boston Celtics. It can't get any better than that. Let's make some picks. So our listeners make some money Celtics in seven Lakers in five. That's what I'm thinking. Mm, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I think I think that Heat series is gonna be a bloodbath. So let's do it. That's How like about that it, game that's like Ra- that's like Rafa Roger like on a U.S. Open hard in their prime. That's just two guys gonna go at it, and it's gonna be a dog fight. You know, last they went to overtime last night, but that's just gonna be like a historical battle eastern conference final that it's just going to be a great great series i'd be surprised if it doesn't go seven yeah i think it'll go seven and i think that's like a good rivalry having good teams in the east you know emerging and everything like that i weirdly i told you this before i think Giannis is going to pull like a he's going to pull not only a lebron but also a kd eventually i think he's not only going to join the heat like lebron did i think he's going to join the team that took him out that would be kind of crazy and he'd fit well on that team um but, yeah, going to that that Heat series, Celtic series, bloodbath. I feel like the Lakers are going to win this against the Nuggets, and I think they're going to win either in five games. Oh, and the Lakers have also shown that ability to adjust. Like, the Clippers did not show the ability to adjust. They did, because if you notice, like, I think that the Clippers – or I think that the Lakers might – I think they might lose game one. The only reason they might not lose game one is because of the uh, – the hangover beating the Clippers for the Nuggets and just some miles on the legs, but they have a decent amount of time to rest. So the historically throughout this playoffs, the Lakers first game has been a feel out game. They lost to Portland and they lost to Houston. And then after that, they've just dominated the rest of the series. So if, uh, if the Nuggets win, if the Nuggets win a game or two games, I feel like they're definitely, it's probably likely going to be one of the first games. They're going to feel them out, and then they're going to go on to steamroll them, and then we'll see what happens in the finals. But I'm going to go Lakers in – I'm not going to get too greedy. I, I think five maybe, but I'm going to go Lakers in six right now. I think if the Lakers lose a game or two, it'll be game one or game three. I think it's one, it's one of those one of those two. I think game two, LeBron's been pretty, pretty solid in, in, in game two, so – He's usually struggled in game ones, but I mean, it's the the Heat and the Celtics series. That's going to be one great, great series. So uh, I think that's going to be much better to watch than the Lakers series. So it's going to be an exciting next few weeks with NBA playoffs and the French Open starting. Talking about talking about the betting and stuff too. One thing I'd like to warn people about. I think that the because uh, I'm you know how much I love these uh, like the player props and everything like that. Boston, Boston, and uh, and the Heat both have so many guys that can get it done and score points. So it's very very unpredictable. Like one night it might be Kemba's night, one night it might be Tatum's night on the Heat yeah, side. I agree. You know, Bam can go off, but then most of the game, like last night, like one of my friends had um, Bam's uh, 
I think he took the player prop for Bams over for points, and it was uh, set at around 18 or something like that. But the thing was, the entire beginning of the game, like the first three quarters, Bam was just kind of playing defense. He was doing all the dirty work, and then he started scoring the ball um, a little bit, especially going into OT and stuff like that, which saved that, and he was able to have his bet hit. But because of that, I think those are, those are two uh, teams where taking player props – might be a little sketchy just because of the ability of guys to be able to, you know, different guys be able to step up on different nights. And I think Kemba's played like dog lately too. So I would ride Kemba uh, with those points here in the next few few games because I think he'll turn it around. I, just I think don't Kemba think... should have taken the last shot. I don't know why they wasted so much time on the clock. I know that it was tied and they had OT, so maybe that's why. But, like, I think there's going to, like, Kemba's proven clutch in those moments. Like, uh, you know, in his history, like in his time with the Charlottes and everything like that. So I would have liked to see Kemba taking that shot. But now Jason Tatum growing into the star that he is, it's like, dude, he's a star. So he's got to take the last shot. But I would have given it to Kemba because it was just like, why don't you just dance on this dude and then throw it to his face? They wasted so much time with Kemba just like dribbling the ball before Tatum did that. So he had to put up like a very quick shot. And then aside from the dunk, I mean, how about Tyler Hero, too? They were just going back and forth and back and forth. Like, that was such a great game. And then if Jason Tatum made that last shot, that would have been the most insane shot I've ever seen because he literally was gone to the floor, turned around, and hit a fadeaway three that was so close to being in. It would have forced OT again. So, I mean, It looked like it was going in. It looked like from the start it looked like it was going in. But I think both teams just have a multitude of stars and a pair. I mean, like, you know – you don't need to rely on one guy. The you know the Heat have Jimmy Butler, and probably they go more through Jimmy Butler. The Celtics have Tatum and Walker, uh, but it just each team has so many stars. And if Hayward comes back, that's another added element to the Celtics. And then the Heat have you know Adebayo, who's easily been one of the most improved players in the last last year in the NBA. And then you have Tyler Hero, who's probably a sl- I mean he's underrated rookie who just shoots the light out of lights out of the ball. And then the best story of it all is Duncan Robinson, who came from Williams College and then went to Michigan and now is uh, statistically might be the best three-point shooter in the league. So each team has so much offense, uh, just some great defense with some athletic big guys, uh, stretch the floor, stretch the floor and, and some you know stretch fours. So uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, just such an exciting series to watch and you know, speaking about LeBron again, uh, what I don't see a top ten. Do you do you consider anyone left in the playoffs a top ten player? Because he usually has to go through a top ten player, like with Curry, Thompson, and Durant. Or I mean, with Curry and Thompson, he had to go through those guys. Um, when he was in Miami, he had to go through Duncan, Tim Duncan, and Tony Parker. Those guys are you know top ten the time and then those guys were top 10 but a guy like tim duncan that's like top five like i think jimmy butler you could make the argument that he's a top 10 player and but that he'd be like he's on the verge eight and ten he'd be between eight and ten if he is a top 10 player maybe same for jason tatum but maybe tatum's like 11 but i want i want your thoughts because you brought that up what do you think do you think dwight and javel are going to play more in this series and and how do you think that's going to like play out so, yeah, I mean, I didn't feel bad for them, but I like watching Dwight Howard. I think he's an athletic big guy, and I think he's got a good game. And, and McGee, you know, he, he played a little bit with Golden State, and he definitely earns his championship. I The Lakers are better with 
Davis at the five with AD at the five, but I really think they're they're good at the beginning of the first and third quarters with Dwight and Javale. But I think they need to switch it up a little more, and they and McGee plays eight minutes, and Dwight plays eight or ten minutes, and then they finish the game with AD. I think with the Nuggets, they have Jokic, Jokic and Millsap. You had to put some different bodies on Jokic, so I think. What I would do, I would start McGee and play Howard, but I wouldn't play them more. In, I would play them in four or five minute stretches where, you know, if if they put their head down once and are tired, switch them out. So, I think you really got to rotate those bodies quicker. I don't think uh, Vogel did a good job with in the regular season. McGee would play like to the two minute mark, and then Dwight would play almost the second quarter, and then uh, they would have like a minute or two with just Davis on the court. I think they have to do kind of four or five-minute increments, and I know he doesn't want to put JaVale McGee in after he starts him for the quarter. He just starts the, starts the quarter, and then he's done for the game. So I would play Dwight a little bit more, but can Dwight guard Jokic is the question outside of the perimeter. And I think that's where Anthony Davis that's where Anthony Davis is going to be key. And I think Markeith Morris will play another key component in this series. I don't know if he can guard Jokic, but I know he can golf guard Paul Millsap. So it might be more of a Davis-Jokic uh, series. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see McGee and Howard play more. They're obviously going to play a little bit more than they did in the Rockets series, but I don't know how much. I don't know how much more they'll play. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing, and this is what we got to look for too. So LeBron had his It was Dallas. But since then, he has been a monster and in the playoffs from then on. And he's never, I mean, he's lost some finals since then, but it hasn't been because of him. He's balled out in every single thing. So you can pretty much guarantee and rely that LeBron is going to be clutch, um, how he's always been and performed big in the playoffs. We'll see if AD can do that. And I hope he can. And I think he can because he did have some playoff success with the, uh, with the Pelicans. Like they, uh, I think they swept, uh, Dane um, a couple years ago in the playoffs. So yeah, they did. He does. He does have some, um, you know, playoff playoff success where you've seen that he can do it. But it's going to be interesting to see if he can uh, remain clutch and play big um, and not, you know, have to go through that like thing that Zverev went through, being in the first Grand Slam final or LeBron um, versus Dallas. But that's that's another thing. However, stylistically, like I really like the way. AD matches up against Jokic. I want to see that battle a lot. That's very, very intriguing to me. I don't think anybody on the Nuggets can do mess with LeBron or do anything to LeBron. Um, but AD... They're, they're going to put Jeremy Grant on LeBron. It's going to be more Jeremy Grant and, I mean, Michael Porter. They're, they're going to... What I, I'm looking They don't have a LeBron is, stopper, though. No, but they're going to put... They're going to put Jeremy Grant, who's a good defender, above average defender in the league. He will... I mean... He's a good defender. I don't think he can stop LeBron, but he will make it interesting. What I'm interested to see is how much Michael Porter plays because he kind of struggles defensively, and if they're just going to go high pick and roll and go straight at Porter. Yeah, for sure. He's going to do. He's going to do well. I think. I think it's just like the thing is that's different is I don't really think that the Clippers had anybody that could stop um, Jokic. I mean, just look at what Zubac did. He literally laid a egg. Um, but Anthony Davis is so quick and athletic, so he's so much faster than Jokic, who's slow. And I know Jokic is just like he's meticulous. He's a he's a wizard. Um, he has a super high basketball IQ, 
But just look at, I think AD will be able to do keep up with him on defense because of his speed and size. And I don't think uh, he's going to be able to do much against uh, against AD. Like, I don't think he'll probably guard AD very much at all, to be honest with you. Um, but, we'll, but we'll look at that. Um, but I do think that AD can do a lot. He's not going to be able to stop him completely, but he's going to do a better job just because of his speed and uh, Jokic being a little slower. So it'll be it'll be definitely interesting. And they, they're going to have to switch it up and throw different bodies at him too with JaVel and... Uh, and Dwight that way he can like really when he does take that challenge he'll be energized because he wasn't he's not gonna have to take that the entire time um throughout the game so it's gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna come down to freshness you know who's who's fresher like you know the u.s open team was fresher at the end that's why he won Uh, he had a little more less miles on his body so less miles on your body the more minutes your team plays you know if you kind of have a little bit of a uh, multitude of guys playing above 10, 15 minutes, and then who's going to be the third scorer for the Lakers? You know, they've had a lot of balance, but Rondo looks really good, and then who's going to guard Jamal Murray? I think it would be Danny Green. I would, I would expect it to be Danny Green and KCP. They'll, they'll switch around, but... I They're going to need another I, dude to step up, but they have different guys like playoff Rondo, and then you got Kuz, who has played some, you know, played some good basketball and um, you're gonna need you're gonna need stuff out of Danny Green. Not every single game, but some games. And then Caruso. I mean, I feel like Caruso in many ways is the engine of the team. He fits that role of like a Matthew Delvadova almost, but at a higher level because he can play better offense. But where he's just gonna be an antagonist on defense and be on you like flies on. Shit, and then and then he will give you that energy every single game. So they have different guys. They don't have to all step up, but. In different in different games, at least one or two of them will need to. They need that. They need a third guy to be able to do something for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just an exciting time to be a sports fan right now with everything that's going on. And, uh, it's just the NBA is going to be. I think what we got about three to four more weeks of it, so got to enjoy it and uh, keep analyzing it and. Uh, betting on it because it's going to go away for uh, I don't know when the season the season's probably going to start again no later than December 25th I think that's what the board of governors said a few weeks ago so Alex I know we're excited we're hopefully uh, I mean not hopefully I think we can already see the see the uh, foreshadowing and see what what's to come uh, I think LeBron will hold hold up the Larry O'Brien once again, so uh, it's just a matter of who wins that Celtics-Heat series, but I think we both think Celtics are going to come back, Kemba's going to play better, and uh, Lakers will breeze through the Nuggets, and it'll be a uh, great finals matchup, but ultimately LeBron will assert his dominance with his experience and win number four, and if that happens, it'll be interesting to see if he gets number five. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, as we're wrapping up here, uh, a conversation that we will have also that I want to discuss in the um, hopefully after this series because we need the Lakers to win um, for this in order for this to happen. But I would like to have the conversation of what it will do for LeBron's legacy if AD wins Finals MVP. That'll be an interesting thing for sure. I don't think it'll do that wow. much, but still, we'll we'll get into that. That's that's definitely a conversation we'll be having. Um, 
coming up as well as, like you said, just exciting times as a sports fan. We have baseball getting into this playoff time um, here soon, NHL, all the basketball games still to come, and then uh, some big-time tennis with, uh, with a master Series uh, this week and then the French Open afterwards. So, yeah, that's, that's it for me. Again, as I always close out, a thank you, a big thank you to our listeners, to Crack Rackets, to our, uh, to our sponsor, DraftKings, and I am very, very excited as a sports fan and look forward to, uh, to duking it out with you on here um, the next couple of weeks talking about this shit. Yeah, we got a good, great time with, with NFL just kicking off in college, too. Big of course, Ten announcing today that they're gonna um, they're gonna play starting October twenty fourth. But in terms of tennis, we're gonna spend a few more. You know, we're gonna go off on, on tangents and topics, but uh, expect us to focus on the French Open the next episode, and uh, hopefully we have some big big time up, upsets. And then, uh, like LeBron, I, I would expect uh, the whole world to. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you can count this guy out. He's he's so good at the French, so. I'd expect a, a Rafa to, to hold up that trophy again, but it'll be interesting to see his his path um, and what his draw looks like and what Djokovic's draw looks like. I think uh, you know Djokovic and Nadal would be a, a cool final to watch, but um, uh, we got to get there first. You know, and see what happened a few a few days ago with with Djokovic getting defaulted. So uh, there's a lot a lot of space in between, a lot of matches there. So uh, we got a good good time to be a tennis fan. I don't even know what happens after the French Open in terms of the tennis schedule, but we got to enjoy the next two weeks, uh, even though it's kind of uh, mid-afternoon tennis, and I think a lot of us enjoyed watching that later later tennis um, uh, with the with the night, with the U.S. Open night matches. So I, I, I know I enjoyed that, but um, we'll have to uh, wake up earlier and um, enjoy these matches. But another great episode. And uh, we look forward to uh, the dialogue with with people that are that are listening and uh, keep this keep this rolling. So uh, we'll see you again next week on another episode of Double or Nothing. Thank you guys. Last thing I'll say, let's do it for Kobe. Big show.